Hi, you're listening to the Pre-Clerkship Podcast. My name is Elise. And I'm Dylan. The Pre-Clerkship Podcast is a show for students by students, helping you get connected with your school community. Today's guest is Dr. John Taylor. Dr. Taylor, thanks for being here. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, so we like to start off every uh, episode with a fun medical fact. Today's medical fact is a dermatological one, and it is that the average person in their lifetime sheds 105 pounds of skin. <laughs> wow. 105 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite a bit. You always bring the best facts, Elise. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and then I, I, I might add, as you probably both know, that the largest organ in the human body is? The skin, yeah. The skin. Yeah. Skin, yes. And when I learned that, I went, I, I could never wrap my, it makes sense as it's explained, but I could, you would never think it was the skin. <laughs> and you also don't think of it as an organ, but it is yeah. very dynamic. Yeah. And it has a lot of functions that we wouldn't think of typically. But. Yeah. I just had to show off my medical stuff for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so Dr. Taylor, can you introduce yourself? Yes, I'm uh, John Taylor and I'm a clinical psychologist and I'm the new director of personal counseling and health promotion in the College of Osteopathic Medicine and I am uh, taking over from Dr. C.A. Garo, who is very loved and known here and so it's uh, a great honor uh, to have an opportunity to work with students. So, so tell us more. Um, where's your hometown? Um, tell us about your family. Any pets you might have? Sure. I'm a Michigander by birth. Um, I grew up in Bay City, Michigan. Um, back in the heyday of the auto industry and some other industries, um, in a small town up north, and then we call it up north there in Michigan. And then from there, I joined the military. I was in the Navy for five years. I was a hospital corpsman and a surgical technician. And when I got out, I came here to Michigan State and finished my undergrad. And I was thinking of applying to this school, actually. Um, the biochem might have scared me off, actually. I'm not quite sure. But actually, I discovered psychology and fell in love with it. And you know, that's, there's another story for you. Did you have an aha moment when you um took your first psychology class, or tell us about that. Okay, um, my first psychology class, if I would have stopped there, I, that would have been the end of my psychology career, because it was a 100 level psychology class, and you had to memorize everything about Pavlov, and Skinner, and all these laws, and principles, and the uh, professor was so boring, and my, I, we, we won't talk about the grade I got in the class, but um, I went on though to take a couple of other classes and one professor named Bert Karen, who little did I know was kind of, kind of renowned for his work with schizophrenia. And um, I took his class and just the way he talked about patients and about cases um, just fascinated me. And that was it, you know, and that kind of changed things. And then about 15 years later, I did a lecture over in the uh, psychology department and he attended and sat in the very front and listened to my lecture. So, you know, that, that was very touching, you know, that there was kind of a full circle there. Yeah. So what other occupations have you had before coming here to MSU as a counselor? Let's see. Uh, most recently, I was a staff psychologist in the Michigan State University uh, Counseling Center. I worked there for 11 years. Uh, very exciting place to work, very, very busy. Um, in addition to being kind of a staff psychologist, doing assessments, psychotherapy, doing group therapy, 
Um, I was a training supervisor. We have a, a, a accredited program by the American Psychological Association, so people come here, go there uh, to finish their last year of internship, and it's, it's full-time and it's paid. Um, <clears throat> from there, I was in private practice um, for about uh, eight years and on my own before that, and I'm a child psychologist by training. Prior to that, I was in a group practice for a few years, and then where I started um, right after finishing my, um, my doctorate was uh, in community mental health uh, in Lansing, and I worked there for a number of years um, as a child psychologist in family services, and that's actually my training. I'm a pediatric psychologist, and there used to be a pediatric psychology program in the College of Human Medicine. Um, that since closed a number of years ago, but you know, I got some really great training there. You've spent a lot of time at MSU. What, what draws you to MSU, or draws you back to MSU? Well, I did my undergrad here, so you know I have a, a fondness for MSU. But um, I think it's working within a system that has lots of resources. Um, what I liked about working in the Counseling Center is that we were very well tied in with Olin Healthcare and uh, Olin Psychiatry Services there, so it was very much an interdisciplinary model. In private practice, um, in a solo practice particularly, you have very limited resources, you know, and there was a day where I kept talking to myself too much and I figured it was time to be around people, you know, so, but with that said, I just think there's, there's a lot that MSU has to offer, you know, in supporting students, and so that was one thing that uh, drew me here. Um, and, and with the practicality of other things, and I don't know where medical students go from here out, um, the old days, I think, were common for people to have their own private practices, but now the overhead on that can be very expensive. You have to pay for your own benefits, your own retirement, so the other practical things like that that I kind of started looking at as well, you know, that MSU offers. Yeah. So Dr. Taylor, how did you end up here at MSU College of Osteopathic Medicine? Well, in being at the Counseling Center for 11 years, um, I'm a staff psychologist there. And I felt like, you know, I'm at kind of the pinnacle of my career. I'm not going to date myself here per se, but just thinking like, um, what, what's next for me? And I thought being in more of a leadership position was really what I was interested in. And um, it just happened that I, you know, I would look through human resources from time to time and um, found out about this position. I looked at it and um, I got really excited about the notion of it. And you know, the psychotherapy, counseling, mental health piece, you know, I have that down pretty solid. The part that really excited me, though, was health promotion, you know, and looking at kind of preventative practices and programming, you know, for students. I, I, I think for all of us, actually, I, see, I think of us as a community, you know, how can we do that together? And so the health promotion aspect was something that really got my wheels going, you know, and I'm really excited about. That's a, that's a perfect segue into our, one of our key questions for the day today, Dr. Taylor. Um, why is personal counseling and health promotion important to medical students? Well, let's see. The first, the second, no, the very first day I was here that Tuesday, I believe it was after Labor Day, the uh, medical student uh, mental health committee um, hosted a presentation, as you remember, I believe for first and second year students. And it, an opportunity to be with about, how many there would you be, 400 of you? Um, I think it was 650 at all three sites. Oh my goodness, about 600 over people. over 400 of us in one room. Um, and so, 
it was an interesting um, presentation. I was very impressed by the presenters. One of the presenters said something that I thought that was very interesting. They said, if you've got stuff going on in your life, it's most likely going to come out in medical school. And I had the thought, yeah, and if you're that lucky, it's likely to come out at some point in your early professional career. Because stress is something that I think that we're all vulnerable to. And stress is inherent in medical practice and psychological practice. We tend to disconnect those, it seems to me, in our culture. But I see those is very interrelated. And so I was quite impressed with that presentation. Um, you know, there's a lot of data out there on medical student stress, a higher level of suicidality among physicians. And so I was thinking, what can we do to promote uh, best practices for medical students? But also as osteopaths, that got me excited too, is because I, you guys are holistic. And although you're not going to be trained as psychotherapists, I think you can become practitioners of preventative practices, even things like mindfulness. You do uh, osteopathic manual manipulation. Um, you know, I think I do see a lot of overlap, you know, in terms of what we offer. Yeah, and so now one of your roles is actually one of the faculty advisors of the Medical Student Mental Health Committee. That's right. Um, and you've also been involved with the meditation group, student-led right. kind of group. Can you tell us a little bit about how that got started? Well, I, I probably have to give Dr. Garo credit for, for that in part and her talking with other students, particularly first years. Um, that came in and had some awareness of mindfulness. And so they kind of took it upon themselves to just start meeting together. And I, as I remember, they started 10 days of mindfulness at the very beginning of the semester. And they were meeting in different locales to do it together. And I'm not sure if they were, sounds like they might have been listening to apps or things that were online. And um, it must have been Dr. Garo who maybe suggested that we meet with them just to give them more ideas. And um, out of that, I said, geez, you know, if you guys would like to come down to our office space at times, it's open. I'd be happy to do mindfulness with you or lead one. Uh, the next thing I know, um, uh, it was probably Neil and Emma, first year students said, gee, would you lead a mindfulness for us before one of our exams? And I said, sure, before I found out that uh, their exam was at 740 in the morning and they wanted to meet at 7, but I'm good with that. <laughs> um, and, and so that began, and that's happened several times now. Um, and then most recently, um, I guess the second years got wind of it, and they were feeling left out. So now I said, sure, we'll do, we'll do mindfulness sessions for the second years as well. So what I love about this, though, is it's student-initiated. And I think like the peer mentor group, which I'm involved with, uh, the Medical Student Mental Health Committee, they're, they're student-driven. And I think that's where the ownership comes in and has likely a likelier chance of succeeding. And so what I'd like to do is to be supportive but not get in students' way. So the area down here has been completely transformed. I know this office that we're currently sitting in was a storage closet and it's <laughs> completely different. Look, I know the podcast is not a visual medium, but <laughs> um, out in the sort of waiting area, we have nice lighting, couches, yoga mats. Is that something that you were going to do anyway, or is that something that you did sort of facilitate this mindfulness group? I was thinking that, and I had that in mind coming in. And um, when I was looking at, a, a, well, not only applying, but when they offered me an interview, I, I looked at all the osteopathic schools in the country, particularly around student services. Just wanted to compare. I was very impressed with how COM really stood out here compared to some of the other schools. 
And I didn't see a lot going on with things like uh, mindfulness per se, or at least it wasn't visible. And I just thought that having that um, offered would be really helpful to students. And this would probably be the kind of office I would design if I were in my private practice. I want to make it very homey for people when they come in so that they can feel safe, they can relax, they can get coffee, you know, they can just kind of sprawl out, make themselves at home, yeah. Yes, FYI, for all the UVCOM students have not been down here yet, there is coffee and water <laughs> and occasionally donuts. I did get donuts one time. <laughs> well, we, if you don't mind me mentioning a pan for next week, two on Thursday from 3 to 5.30, um, we're going to have an open house, you know, to kind of celebrate this office. Um, and we're putting together uh, end of the semester self-care kits for students. It's a surprise, so I don't want to ruin it for you. Um, but also uh, our students at the other uh, sites as well will be getting um, those self-care kits. We'll be sending them down there. Hopefully they'll get theirs down there on the same day that we open our house here. Is that, is that something that you look to do maybe every year? Or just this year? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> if Dr. Falls gives me another good budget, yes. Um, but, you know, as I looked at my budget this year, there were things in there that I thought I could kind of tweak. Um, just things like travel, I thought, well, <laughs> you know, driving back and forth to Southeast Michigan isn't too costly, and they had a generous stipend. So if I can, yeah, if I can move things around and this is a hit and students really like it, I think so. I'm a little worried though that the students who don't come and they see their peers walking around with their little self-care bag, they go, where's mine? So then, then we might have to, I might have to go to the dean and ask for some more funds before next year. But I see that as a good problem, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Falls is our dean of student services and he's been fortunately extremely supportive oh, of the whole mental is. health initiative here. Yeah. So we're very lucky to have him. Yeah. So for those of you listening outside of 2016, maybe come down and bug Dr. Taylor to get your uh, to get your goodie bag. Indeed, we'll likely have some left over. Yeah. How would we go about um, contacting or meeting with you as a medical student? Well, um, if you go to the website, you'll see that um, my name and email is there. My phone number. That's an okay way to reach me. Um, my assistant Alyssa is here all day. Typically, her day is open. Often, because it's uh, such the corridor, you know, there's a lot of student activity through here during the day. Going down to the bookstore, um, going down to the lockers, and so students will stop in and just talk with Alyssa, and they can set up an appointment directly through her. Or I welcome students to email me directly. Excuse me, and we can do that. And so far, we've been able to typically see students within a week. Um, I'm hoping we can continue that um, practice with Dr. Garreau going. We'll have to see because we, you know, she's been sharing the load with me, and so we'll have to see how it goes next semester. But it's worked out so far. So you were at uh, the MSU Counseling Center, which is for undergrads. Does it also include graduate students? Just everyone in the MSU community? It does, and um, actually, it also included students from COM. Um, as well and as well as from the other medical school, there would be times where Dr. Eneskevich or Dr. Garreau would contact me. Uh, they'd want to consult with me. I'm known for um, psychological testing, so there'd be times where students were having like issues of focusing. You know, do I have ADD kinds of questions? And so there were times students would come over for that, or maybe some other, you know, kind of complex stress situation. You know, that I'd work with them on. 
So the center is actually open to all students, even COM students. Although I think it's really great that you have a special service here for your group. Yeah, so now that you're specifically here at the College of Osteopathic Medicine, is there something that you see in medical students that like a typical mistake that we tend to make more than undergraduates or something that's more unique to our situation? Well, one thing you know that's unique is it, it takes some doing to get here. Um, and so by and large, I see a lot of resiliency. Even when students come in and they're wide-eyed and they're anxious, and it's like, I don't know why I keep bringing up biochem. I hope I'm not traumatizing <laughs> listeners. Um, but, you know, um, very bright, insightful young people, very thoughtful, uh, compassionate, uh, motivated. The compassion piece is something I see uh, is an issue probably more generally with uh, younger population. And I mean self-compassion. It's that kindness that we would extend to others. Like, I can, really, I can really step in your shoes. I can really feel your pain. It's, it's okay to be human. Extending that to ourselves is a whole other challenge. And so often, especially with high achievers here in the medical school, and particularly you guys have gone through so many hoops, you're really hard on yourselves at times. And I think um, there's a tendency to be self-critical, to berate yourself. And so another component of counseling I, I focus on with students is developing more self-compassion, holding ourselves more kindly, lighter. You may notice I like to use self-effacing humor at times, just looking for ways, you know, how do we kind of juggle things? Um, you know, you've got a long path ahead of you. And um, it's healthier, I think, to, um, you know, internalize a sense that, you know, I can get through this. Um, this was just one exam, you know, I can do better on the next exam. An exam doesn't define me, or even a class, you know, even if I didn't quite make the mark on a class, that isn't going to define me even as a physician, yeah. So if I was a student and I wanted to come talk with you, would other people in the building find out about that? Typically not. Uh, these are highly confidential services. One of the one of the things is is with traffic you know if we've got we've got our door open sometimes and people don't tend to walk in but if someone's in the office with Alyssa she's so friendly no one's probably she socializes with everybody I hope I'm not getting Alyssa I'm not getting you in trouble I really love your socialness and so she tends to socialize with everyone so people might not necessarily know that uh, most of the scheduling uh, gets done um, through her or I do it by email and then uh, people come in, um, the hours are staggered so that people aren't overlapping. You know, like one student sees the next student leaving, you know, those kinds of things. We try to be thoughtful about that. Um, and uh, records here are completely confidential. You know, they're kept separate from anything else at the university. You know, that, that's standard here and students need to know that. Uh, and in terms of communicating about student concerns, uh, it's important that we have a written um, consent to re release or exchange information, like Ms. Uh, Ms. Petschke, you know, I might talk with her or the dean, or I might talk with Dr. Sadasavan, I might talk with Dr. Uh, one of the psychiatrists over, in, you know, in the psychiatry clinic. And so it's important that students know, you know, that we're going to maintain confidentiality. Yeah, I think that's one of the concerns that I've heard from students, or that we've heard get from our surveys of medical students. Um, is this fear that it's going to somehow hurt you down the line, that it's, mm -hmm. it's on your record and you're not going to get a residency because you saw you or another therapist? Mm -hmm. um, so are there any other common misconceptions that people have about your job? 
Yeah, there probably are. I think it takes a, it's a big step to come here, you know. I mean, it takes a lot of courage. There may be times where students are concerned about stigma. You know, what are others going to think? What is my family going to think? Um, but my experience has been as students come through here that they're often appreciative, you know, that they got the help. They found out that it wasn't mysterious, that we don't do voodoo in here, you know, we don't do magical things. It's very common sense and it's very practical, you know, that we're looking for solutions to things and trying to identify strengths within students. You know, what are they doing for themselves that they may have forgotten to do uh, under stress, you know, and so that's kind of how it works. Um, you know, I don't think I can speak too knowledgeably yet because I haven't worked with the uh, medical student population too long, but I know that um, we've talked about that with the Medical Student Mental Health Committee, and I think in their upcoming presentation they're doing in January, we're going to do some debunking about myths. And again, what's so brilliant about this is this all student-initiated, and first and second years are going to get to listen to their peers from who were first year up through residency talk about different challenges they had openly and how they overcame them. And so trying to normalize this, I don't know, honestly, I'd like to see the research on how often residencies really care, you know. I mean, I guess is they're more concerned about professionalism. To be honest with you, if that shows up on your letters, that, that things like mental health isn't gonna show up on your letter, you know, for residency. But everybody needs to mind your P's and Q's, you know. So I'd, I'd be more concerned about professional behavior, you know, among other things, you know. Yeah. Okay, Dr. Taylor, it's time for my patented rapid round here. These oh are just boy. quick hitter questions. All right. The first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. And then Elise is going to um, conclude the interview after that, okay? All right. All right. So what is your favorite musical? Oh boy, my favorite musical, there's so many. Um, the Sound of Music. Okay. Favorite actor or actress? Meryl Streep is one of my most favorite. Yeah, she's very talented. Yeah, and actually I'd probably have to go back and say Mamma Mia was among oh. one of my favorite. I just saw it again, yeah. Someone you look up to? Um, I look up to uh, my uh, partner Mary uh, very much. You know, she's my rock. What is your spirit animal? My sign is Leo, and I just think that just fit. I'm a, some kind of a feline, I believe. <laughs> I've got some feline, and I own cats, um, and I have a love-hate relationship with my cats. But I think I'm a. I can relate. Yeah, I think I'm a. I, I, the Leo. I think there's things uh, you you maybe tend to kind of dismiss with uh, these uh, astrological signs, but I don't know. I think. When I read the Leo, I think they, they've nailed me pretty good. Really resonate with that, huh? Yeah, and there's, there's downsides to being Leo, too. There's no question about that. <laughs> yeah. What is your favorite place that you have lived? That's really a good question. You know, I was in the military. I moved away. I lived in other places like South Carolina, California, uh, Florida. Um, I love living in Michigan. Um, and I like being in East Lansing very much. I particularly am in love with Northern Michigan. You know, we just went up to Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore. And I don't know if you guys have been up there, but it's really a beautiful place. So honestly, I've, I've been to several places, but I, I come back to Michigan. Yeah. 
I was lucky enough to visit Pictured Racks this summer as well. Oh, did you? Yeah, it was beautiful. I don't know if you noticed, but the uh, I know our listeners can't see it, but I got that when I was up there. And actually, we went by there with our boat along that shoreline. It was very beautiful. Yeah. It's on my bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> what are you reading right now? Or if you're not a reader, what TV show are you watching? Um, actually... Students will come in and they'll tell me what they're reading and someone recommended this book called Lovecraft County and um, I can't remember the author's name but the student noticed I had a number of books on social justice uh, on my shelf and um, he had evidently read it and um, I bought the book and it's on racism back in the 60s um, and uh, I'm enjoying that. Um, I'm kind of a documentary person, um, which my family isn't so appreciative of, but you know, I do like learning new things all the time. Yeah. Any particular topics with that, with documentaries? You know, I love anything about the universe, you know, about astronomy, um, anything about world civilization and culture, I really enjoy that. Uh, food is always fun. Um, I found out that General Sao Chicken uh, wasn't uh, invented in China and it was actually invented for Western people with a taste for sugar and I can tell you more about that story later. There's a little bit of a conspiracy with General Sao's chicken I found out. <laughs> um, I can do a recommendation. Last night on Netflix I watched uh, The Lion in Your Living Room oh, about really? domestic cats. I saw that. Okay, yeah. I, I mean I didn't see the documentary. Oh, it's, it's only on 50 list. minutes. So it was good, huh? Yeah. Okay, it's quick. I'll have to check that one out. <laughs> Okay, I saved my weirdest question for last year. Um, if you had an unlimited number of Legos, what would you build? <laughs> mm. An unlimited number. Uh, I'd probably build a, a life-size X-Wing fighter that yeah, I could get cool. into. Because I'm a, I don't know if you noticed, there's a few Star yeah, Wars things in here. <laughs> In my private practice, it's like a, I'm a child psychologist, so it's like a Star Wars museum. So when kids come in, they're kind of overdosed at first, you know. But it, it, it's always a good entry and, and, you know, good icebreaker, you know, when kids come in. But I've always been a Star Wars fan. So I th how long that would take is anybody's guess. But <laughs> <laughs> For those of you listening, uh, the first thing I noticed when I came into Dr. Taylor's office was this giant Yoda poster. Way cool. <laughs> I like the uh, the Death Star clock, personally. <laughs> okay, if I could indulge you, just the listeners, one last moment. I don't know if you noticed the characters in, on the Star Wars picture. Those, that's my family. Oh. <laughs> and uh, we did a Photoshop when we were at Disney World. And so I'm Mace Windu. My wife was good-natured enough to be uh, Obi, the young Obi-Wan Kenobi, <laughs> so she's got a beard going. And, and so and my daughters are Jedi, Jedis in the background. Who's your favorite Star Wars character? You know, I do, I, I always go back to Obi-Wan Kenobi, but I, there's something about Yoda, um, his sensibility, his wisdom. You know, I think I always go back to Yoda, yeah. Well, Dr. Taylor, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it's been great to talk to you. And we do have one last question for you. Um, so far, you've done a lot of practicing in psychology. What has been your favorite moment? In practice? Yes. Or kind of what has been the most rewarding thing about your job? It's seeing people overcome their challenges. 
Uh, more recently, I've gotten um, specialized training in trauma work and what we call complex trauma. And, um, and, and trauma is much more pervasive than we think. We might think of things like combat or a sexual assault or being witness or victim of a tragedy. But there's lots of things in our life that can be traumatizing and can kind of hold us back and kind of keep coming up through different themes in our life. And so what I found particularly rewarding lately is this kind of form of therapy I've been doing with people that really seems to free them, you know, from some of those, those early kinds of issues that they've had, you know, and really been able to kind of heal and let go from it. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, thank you, Dr. Taylor. We, again, appreciate your time. And well, it was thank great you, to Dylan. meet you today. Thank you, Elise. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. Okay. The song that we're going to have take us out today is by Chris Bathgate. It's called Levy. Thank you so much to Chris Bathgate and Brian Peters for permission to use this song. Here is Chris Bathgate with Levy here on the Pre-Clerkship Podcast. The biggest moon I ever saw was on the night I was right on top. I ever saw was on the night I was right.